Hello and welcome to another episode of Thought Shared Souls Baird. I'm Katie. And I'm Jill. And we have a very special guest for you guys today. Uh, you know her as a dresser from Wicked, Aladdin, The Prom, Summer, The Donner Summer Musical. Um, she's known online as a backstage blonde. It's Teal Dvornik. How are Hi. you? It's so good. Thanks for having me. We are so excited for you to be our very first guest here on Thought Shared. Um, yeah, we're so excited. How are you? How's everything? You know? All things considered, I'm pretty good. I think that, I mean, I've always been obsessed with social media, but especially throughout this pandemic, I think it's been such an amazing tool to keep us all connected and like further, you know, deepen and strengthen relationships during a time that can be be pretty lonely and isolating. Yeah, absolutely. 100% agree. I mean, Jill and I personally have never met. We've been friends for (laughs) what, like two and a half years. We started- we started this podcast. We decided to finally start a podcast back in October. I've been a huge fan of podcasts for years now. So I was like, I don't I even do listen it. to podcasts, but I was like, I'll talk about theater <laughs> with you. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, We're like, makes me so happy. And I think that says a lot about like Broadway fans in general. It's just such like a special community. And yeah, I've seen a lot of really cool friendships develop from just like loving a musical. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And it's something that's so special that can happen. And it's only been able to happen in what the last 15 years with the invention and like expansion of social media. And and, yeah. Yeah. So we want to talk about a little bit about what it's like to be a dresser. Like, how did you become a dresser at all of these amazing shows? How does this happen? How does one start a career in becoming a dresser? Well, honestly, it's kind of tricky. There's really no clear-cut path uh, because it's, you know, there are only 41 Broadway theaters. And, you know, within that, a lot of them are playhouses. Or, you know, with a musical like Six, you have a wardrobe supervisor and, like, an assistant. And there are no dressers because no one leaves the stage. So uh, it's, it's a tricky business to break into, And I kind of fell into it, actually. Like, the long story short, um, my freshman year of college, I went to the University of Alabama, and I was majoring in fashion design. And at the end of that year, I loved it there, but I needed, like, a smaller, you know, I wanted just a smaller, more hands-on, smaller class size approach. So I transferred to Stanford University in Birmingham, Alabama, and the closest thing they had to fashion was costume design. And I was a dresser on Richard III, like my second month at school. And I, you know, was also a stitcher helping build those costumes. And I just absolutely fell in love with theater and what a collaborative effort it is and how all these different people who had all these different skill sets came together to create this like magical piece of art. And from that moment on, I was sold. I have a question. So when it comes to Okay, I was a communication major, um, so I know, like, nothing about the theater majors or the fashion majors. When you become a costume design major, are you creating costumes for the theater department? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. And I think that every program is a little bit different, especially universities that have a graduate program there. Uh, So our program was extremely hands-on so I got a BA in technical theater with a focus in costume design and because we didn't have any grad students I got to start I designed my first like dance show as a sophomore and then I designed like two or three main stage shows as a junior and at a larger university that's just unheard of because all the designers you know are getting their 
master's degrees. So Mm -hmm. I was really lucky to have such a hands-on, like, you know, getting your hands dirty immediately experience. But, um, I, for any, you know, of, I call my, my younger followers, my littles, for any of my littles out there listening, I just want to encourage everyone to like, obviously be involved on campus and like really dive into your school's theater program, but get experience outside of that. Because at the end of the day, you don't want your resume to be exclusively university experience. So I interned at the Birmingham Children's Theater. I interned at the University of Florida one summer. I just got like a lot of different experiences to help make me more well-rounded and like a better person to hire eventually. Yeah, that's, that's such a great advice for anybody who's looking to pursue any sort of um, career in any sort of creative industry. I know that, and especially with, with like internships and volunteering, always what I've learned is like, don't be afraid to, I mean, I wasn't afraid to cold email, just be like, hey, do you need anybody to help volunteer? That's something that I definitely did post-graduation. But one thing else, you've established yourself online as such a a great person for history of theater, for for background in, in certain, like the history of actual buildings. You went, like you were giving a whole... Uh, history lesson uh, in London. And I think that was so interesting. And so because of this, you've, you've also created like a blog site. Like how did you, was blogging something that you've always done? Is that something that you've always been passionate about? I've definitely had like a few different blogs over the years. Like when I studied abroad in Spain in college, I had, you know, a Tumblr that I kept everybody up to date on. And then I worked on cruise ships for two years post-grad as a wardrobe supervisor on board the ships. And yeah, so I had, I think it was called Shades of Blue. It might still (laughs) exist out there somewhere. Um, And once I became established on Broadway, this was like two or three years in, my entire time, like the moment I moved to New York, my parents were like, you were having such a unique experience. You need to be writing all this stuff down. But it took a few years to really find like, what's the hook? Like, what's my angle? And it was being backstage because, you know, so often whenever you see any of like the big Broadway publications covering anything, they're talking to the actors and they're in some cool like photo shoot studio. And what Broadway fans want is the nitty gritty. You guys want to see the quick changes. You want to see like the weird, dirty backstage spaces. Uh, yeah, you guys don't want it glossy and pretty. And that's what I, I found. I was like these stagehands who've been like one of the stagehands at the Longacre Theater where, you know, most recently like Bronx Tale Prom and the Princess Diana musical. He, his like great grandfather helped found Local One. His name's John Lofgren and he's an absolute legend. And because I'm, you know, such a dork and so into stuff like that, I was like, will you tell me stories? And he just like nonchalantly pulls out the original like knife switchblade <laughs> from the original production of Queenie Todd. It's just like, oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. And he's just like telling me stories like that and like, it's um yeah the the local one the stagehand guys they have the best stories I don't even know if I answered your question I just covered a lot oh, right there <laughs> that and it's perfect like I love that information and I think that's something a lot of people don't consider I remember the first time that I was like oh my gosh dressers do so much is there was that video from the Tony Awards um with the King and I performance and then Absolutely. you could see and you could see yeah. Kelly O'Hara's quick change backstage and I was like that is 
amazing. Yeah, that was. I love that video. I feel like that's the first time when you got like the side by side. Like this is what's happening on stage, and this is what's going on backstage, like in the wings, two feet away. Um, I remember I went to see um, Pretty Woman two years ago. Yeah, it's like two years ago, and I was Mm -hmm. seated so far over in the. in the audience that I could kind of see backstage. And I found myself just like so attracted to like what was going on back there. I thought it was so interesting. I've always done that. Like anytime I'm seated, like in orchestra, like far off on one side or the other, I'm always like watching backstage because I did that because like as a dancer, like growing up as a dancer, I was always like watching people from backstage. (laughs) And so like now as an audience member, I just watch people that are actually backstage. And that's like my favorite thing to do. Yeah, there's magic that happens back there for sure. Yeah, I just, I, it's so, it's something that, it's like, it's like how the sausage gets made. You don't really, you, you're so enraptured in what's happening on stage. And that's also amazing. But what, like, theater fans also really care about is like, how it works, like what makes it work. And I think that, that your blog, your your social media giving us that backstage view I think it's it's absolutely what part of like the theater fandom was missing and I think that that filling a a great role and just giving more insight into it I think that's great yeah Yeah, and Um, it's also it's also funny static I (laughs) sorry it's also like really funny to me because as like a like growing up loving theater I was always so invested in the actors like that was always like my entire like my favorite thing on the planet and like even in the last few years I've just started getting into like the backstage parts of it um and so like it's honestly it's funny because ever since I started following you Teal I like have started following so many other like backstage people um and it's always so funny to me to see like the stark difference in like a Broadway actor's um, social media presence and then like people like you or like other dressers and other like people in the backstage areas of theater and like the difference in the social media presence and very interesting and people who are backstage they give such there's such a, a different perspective to have um I I work in the arts and I worked for a um a what would also have like a touring house element to it uh, so we would get a lot of national tours in and we, I worked in development. So a lot of fundraising events, we would have some of the, the, the people who work backstage come and talk about, and there was somebody who was, oh my goodness, I cannot remember her role, but she was talking about how one time she had to, she had a background in dance, but at this point she was doing more like techie things and she, something broke on stage and one of her supervisors was like, do you still know how to put on point shoes? Like, can you still do point? And she had to like put on a costume, like go out onto stage, fix something real quick and then like get herself off. And it was one of the most incredible conversations like I've ever heard. And so it's things like that that I think they are what keeps the show running. And I think that's mm-hmm. such a, a great element that I don't know if a lot of people realize. I mean, I'm sure they do, but but it's it's really interesting. Yeah, no, they absolutely don't realize. A lot of people don't even know that my job is a real thing. And that was another like, motivation to start the Backstage Blonde Media and Blog and everything was uh, 
not only do people not realize what happens backstage, there was a gigantic gap in the market for a Broadway influencer. When I started this thing in like, I think it was 2017, no one was doing this like techie wise or even just like, you know, normal person wise. Like there were, there were just no Broadway influencers. No one was making the theater district look cool or Times Square, like in New York, like all like the influencer girls were downtown and Soho and so I was just like, there's just such a gap in the market for this. Also for like cool merch, you know, like my followers are adorable and not everyone wants to wear like a cat's hoodie. No disrespect. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a delay? Can you hear me? Okay. Now we can hear you. There was, yeah, it kind of went out. It like, you were going in and out for a second there. Oh, sorry. It's all right. We heard, we heard cat's hoodie and then yeah. <laughs> no disrespect to cats, but, and then it kind of like went. I think the cat's gods heard and were like, um, pull this <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Roberts can hear me. No, I was just saying that, uh, <laughs> um, notoriously and like famously, you know, theater is a very nerdy thing to love. And before I started my little like backstage boutique and started making kind of like cool theater merch, and I say it as humbly, but there just, you know, there just wasn't anything cool out there that was like trendy and like relevant for Gen Z and millennials, where you'd be proud, like wearing that out and wouldn't have to be like, yeah, yeah, I, I really like a thoroughly modern Millie, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have a kind of like a nerdy question. Not favorite show, but what is like the, your favorite theater because backstage theaters are all different and it's all so much, you know, in the way they're designed, but is there a certain way that different theaters are designed that make you like extremely happy or something? Well, I'm not sure if this is exactly what you're asking, but the ambassador theaters uh, entire structure design is absolutely fascinating basically when this thing was being built in like the 1920s before the great depression uh the people who own the property were like we want to maximize this lot it's very small and it was in the shape of a triangle so they found an architect who was like up for the job and you can't tell from the exterior because like that was the whole like goal there's no set and like barely any costumes <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I know that certain shows especially like on the road there are there are houses that different um shows or different people like to there's different elements to every different theater um uh as a dresser though um one more question back to being a dresser are there specific like costume details that you wish other people could notice that you're just like, I can only notice this because I'm a dresser that maybe other people should look out for next time they're in a show or the next time they see a show? I think that's hard because so many of like the very intricate, small details, the embroidery, the special beat.
Well, specifically in Wicked, the use of animal print and fur was all deliberate and really well thought out by the designer. In Oz at the time that the show is set in, there was major like political and social change and like uproar and because animals were losing their rights. So the fact that at one point animals were able to attend Shiz University and like, you know, be friends and like be equal beings in this society and suddenly students at Shiz University are wearing like animal fur uh, shoes or like leather shoes or in uh, the like the mob people, those gigantic coats that, that they wear like in the beginning and the end of the show and like throughout like there are like mink tails or like little fur details here and there. And yeah, it's all deliberate. It's really, really wild. I love that. I like, I like knowing or being able to point out something that you don't necessarily would think of. Cause that's something that's so, it, it can go over a lot of people's heads, but it, when you, when you look into it and when you analyze it, it's something that is so, wonderfully thought out oh yeah the colors in any show are deliberate yeah Mm -hmm. um I have a question okay so we've talked about like musicals and stuff you and I have too but I want to know like what your like dream show would be to work on like what musical you would love to work on oh that's a really hard question (laughs) manifest it put it out there yeah (laughs) I think Beauty and the Beast would be really really fun I honestly, I'm so blessed and lucky that I've gotten to work on such amazing shows and I've been able to call Wicked my home since the very beginning. That was my first, but I would love to open a new show as a dresser. I think that would be really fun to get to experience a Tony season and everything that goes along with it. Luckily, I have gotten to dress the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade because uh, in 2015, I dressed the Radio City Rockettes for their Christmas show. So that was a really cool experience. But yeah, I think I would really love to work on another Disney show. How does dressing the Thanksgiving Day Parade differ from being in a theater? Is there much of a difference? Kind of. Do you mean like being a dresser for the Rockettes on that day versus being a dresser for a Broadway show? So yes. the difference is, is the Rockettes have a really demanding day. The Broadway, everyone has to wake up early. It's hard for everyone, especially if it's cold. But the Broadway shows, they usually get trailers to just sit in and wait. And then everyone gets to go home and go back to sleep. The Rockettes who are performing in the show that day get they brought us in on like a big gigantic like charter bus we walked in we waited for maybe like 10 minutes went out the girls performed we were back in the bus and back to radio city because then we had to do four shows that day yeah so the schedule is a lot more demanding and the down like the waiting time is a lot less just because it's it's just a lot more intense and there are a lot more bodies i mean there are 40 rockets on the line and like Wicked, that's one of the largest companies and there are only 32. So it's easier to like contain a Broadway cast and like a big heated trailer than it would be 40 Rockettes and all yeah, their handlers. I was about to say like the Rockettes have like four or five shows a day anyways. So yeah, like, I can't really even imagine. Like, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there 
are over 80 rockets total. Oh my gosh. Just because they they rotate casts. Right. The idea of doing like four shows a day sounds absolutely <laughs> exhausting. It's like what the my friends uh, who worked at Disneyland, they would do like a bunch of shows a day. And I'm like, I don't know how you do it. Yeah, I could never. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. it was a very demanding schedule. Oh my gosh. But I so, got to pet camels, so. Oh, that's true. Worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question about like, because I want to work um, doing PR in the theater industry. That's kind of like my goal. Um, so like what do you think would be like the best way because like obviously I don't have any money so like I'm waiting to move to New York till at least the end of this year or beginning of next year Um, and I mean at that point like who knows what I'll be able to do in the theater industry at that point in time so like what do you think would be the best way for someone to get their foot in the door as like PR social media whatever in the theater industry versus like all the other aspects of theater. I am not really sure like how to make those connections. I think that making connections in any industry is kind of just the same goal right now. Find like a boutique in your hometown or just find, I don't know, anyone or a local theater and be, can I take over your social media? And so when you're like applying for internships or jobs with any of these like big wig companies, you can be like, Hey, here's what I did. I took a small account of like, whatever it may be and built it to app that's like, honestly, super relevant right now to talk in clubhouse, which I haven't really figured out. That's more for networking, not as much for like social media, but, um, yeah, I think you just, you need to walk in, not just with like educational experience, but like real hands-on experience and be like, Hey, I'm young, but here's what I can do. Here's what makes me different. Um, or I mean, the other approach is you could take the influencer route and build your own brand, but yeah. So like, right. there are lots of different ways to do it. I just, I, you've just got to find a way to make yourself stand out because like everyone can have an idea. Ideas actually aren't that great because what what sets you apart and what makes you great is the way you put that idea into action right and and earlier you said that um you noticed a lack of backstage content and that's what really made you get into it do you think that there's do you see opportunity for other content to be made that just hasn't been you know taken advantage of yet (laughs) Sorry, that was one hundred and fifty thousand percent. Yes. The, oh my gosh! I just want to like lay on the ground and die because of the things, <laughs> like the way that people could have taken advantage of me and utilized me as a union member who's allowed to be backstage. Also, another funny thing, and I'll say this to all the actor spaces: they aren't good at social media. I take a better mirror selfie than they do. The fact that I'm literally not on stage, I am not a Broadway performer and I sign playbills, that just shows like the power of social media. It's amazing, it's magical. And I think that a lot of, um, I think that a lot of people are just very slow to adapt and they don't understand social media. They don't understand the power behind it. They don't understand that it does sell tickets and Oh, I could talk about this all day long. Um, Yeah, I I just think that people are very slow to adapt and they don't get it. And the other problem is, is that there's a lot of magic that happens backstage. 
And people are worried that by showing that magic, it might ruin illusions when in reality, we know as millennials and Gen Zers, that that makes people want it more. That makes people yeah. love it more. Because I mean, why do we love TikTok? Because it's stripped. It's normal people. It's like some weirdo <laughs> in Kansas, like in their bedroom and we love it. It's like, that's what people want. But you know, the powers that be, the big wigs with the money in the offices, they're on Facebook and they still think that like glossy Instagram pictures are cool. And at the end of the day, the glossy Instagram pictures have stopped selling, selling facial moisturizer. You know, I want, yeah. I want the review on TikTok from a, from a 17 year old girl who bought it off Amazon. Yeah. And Did I think it's also, question? yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's funny because you mentioned how like actors are like not great at social media and I oh, wanted, I want so badly to have like a workshop where like <laughs> people like us can like teach Broadway actors how to properly use social media. It drives me nuts. Oh I've my tried. God. I've done like screaming monologues in green rooms and been like, for the love of God, everyone stop putting white borders on your pictures. Yes. Stop. Oh my God. I'm sorry. That was, that was no, that was a bad thing back in 2013. No one does that anymore. Nobody <laughs> oh, does it. Do. They do. They do. Literally, it's so bad. Oh my God. It's I noticed so it on painful. so many people that I follow. I'm just like, I can't. Like, why do you still do this? It drives no. me nuts. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, I mean, you know, actors are a special breed. I love them so much, but they're, they're creators in a different way. So yes. they, they all still very deeply believe that like a, you know, a magazine editorial-esque fashion-y photo shoot is good Instagram content, which that just kind of makes me want to die. <sighs> One day, You're maybe. Like Whenever I see posts that are so, so professionally done, I'm, I, my brain automatically thinks it's a sponsored post. So I like, yeah. to the next thing. I'm just like, this is an ad. My yeah. favorite thing is like, sorry, continue. No, no, you go. I was going to say like, my favorite thing is like a lot of my like really prim and proper photos on my Instagram or my sister's like working to like further her photography business so yeah. I'm just like take photos of me I'll post them like <laughs> sure, yeah if it's for your portfolio absolutely sure. and then I'm like and I get a few good photos out of it so be mm -hmm. it <laughs> yeah but it's funny because like I have a marketing and PR brain like you um and a lot of people just don't but I will I will be honest and I mean everybody saw it it was on the internet but like in 2017 and even into 2018 I was trying to be like the other influencers mm -hmm. and I never have been but I hadn't really like found my look my voice yet um and so I was having these like you know glamour I was spending so much money doing that and once I stopped and I just I noticed I was like the pictures that I post from my iPhone where I'm posing in a dirty mirror backstage wearing sweatpants, though that's what people want. They don't care if I'm standing in the middle of Times Square juggling eight pies above my head looking pretty. Yeah. They want the real deal. <laughs> and so I haven't had a photo shoot in like a year and a half. <laughs> yeah, oh I just use my tripod and I'm like, here we are. That's like my um, favorite thing on the planet is everyone asking you like, oh, who takes your photos? And you're like, my tripod takes my photos. Right? That's my favorite Everybody's thing like, on the planet. <laughs> who got this shot? But I mean, that all, I think that also comes from being like a longtime New Yorker and also someone who literally had a photographer and an intern like on the streets of New York doing photo shoots. Like, I just don't care anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, posing in a 
in front of a tripod like especially in London like that was it, it was kind of embarrassing but but it wasn't just because like I was in London I wasn't standing in front of graffiti I was like literally in castles so and I was like I'm such an American right now but whatever I get paid for it so my favorite thing is like all my um I have trained most of my friends to take my photos for me <laughs> because you have I'm like to. I'm not gonna like who am, why am I gonna pay someone to take a photo if I can have my friend do it while we're out anyways for mm-hmm. free and it's just as good of a photo on my phone as it would be if I had like hired a photographer to follow me around and take photos of me I'm with <laughs> there's you. no I'm with it's you. there's zero difference so yeah. all my friends have become like my Instagram friends I hate it what one of my favorite pictures of me is my friend and I had just gotten off a red eye from uh, California to New York. And it was like eight in the morning. It was a July morning. It was hot. It was muggy. And I'm just wearing like a bright blue uh, uh, jumpsuit. And I'm like, take a picture of me. And I'm, it is one of my favorite pictures of me. I'm exhausted, but I looked cute. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. It just... I think, um, you know, Instagram is kind of going back to what it was in the beginning, just more stripped down. I mean, it's also dead. Like TikTok is where it's at, but uh, it is nice (laughs) that more and more people are dropping the filter. And I mean, even in my own life, like with my close friend's story, the more real and open and honest I've gotten, like the better the DMs have gotten. Honestly, like I, I, I've been sharing like some really personal stuff over the over the past few weeks and for those of you listening who don't know I have like a paywall up so to be on my close friends you have to subscribe to my patreon page and just knowing that those people really want to be there and are actually invested in my life has given me the freedom because sometimes it's scary like watching your story and be like oh my gosh like over 2,000 people like watched what I did today like that can be intimidating at times and yeah yeah, you just you can't look at the numbers anyways I've the point is being more honest with my followers on social media has been extremely rewarding. And I'm, I'm just so glad that I finally reached the place where I'm comfortable dropping that, that glossy layer. Yeah. I love being on your close friend story. Like it's like my favorite thing on the planet. <laughs> it makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, definitely a close friend story is something that, that it hits different uh, I remember, like, even just when you see that green circle, you're like, oh, something, something's happening. You know that something's, something's happening. happening. Yeah. Whether it's me, like, telling you a fun fact about history or screaming at the camera. Yeah, something's yeah. happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I just, I, back to Broadway, one of, like, my big hopes for when the world comes back and Broadway reopens is that that these these up and coming producers will just really take advantage of social media and um, use that to like rebuild our industry. Luckily, Jordan Roth, who is the president of Jew Jamson, he's always been very ahead of the times. And I mean, that's kind of like a dream to work for him and be one of his minions and putting it out there into the universe. It's on my bucket list. But I mean, I, hello, like this has nothing to do with Jordan Roth, but like exhibit A, the um the Ratatouille musical or the Bridgerton musical. It's all happening yeah. on TikTok. And like yeah. I have I know of like a lot of different social media managers from different successful Broadway shows who scoffed and then made fun of TikTok like pre-pandemic. And now look at where we are. Right. So I mean, I was one of, I felt so bad. I was like judging all my friends that were using TikTok. I was like, it's for 13 year olds. I was like, get off of TikTok. And like, now I'm like on it 
at least six hours a day <laughs> just scrolling oh, my favorite it, I spend far too much time on there it's far so too much bad. time and it's like there's there are people that I follow on there who are like theater creators some of them are actors some of them are like stage managers and they're creating a following and they don't work for they don't work on Broadway they work in like a community theater in like Northridge California or in San Diego it's it's really interesting because it's it's also bringing more attention to I think community theater and like the talent that's out there in Mm -hmm. that respect and I think that's something that's real interesting it's also really funny to me because like Teal you said that you hope the producers like take advantage of social media I think that it's like we've really seen in the last year how accessible theater can be because of social media and because of like YouTube and everything like we've seen that like it can be more accessible like Broadway can be more accessible than it is because mm-hmm. we had um in April we had like the Sondheim concert that gave me more joy than I have had <laughs> in so long like that con- I watch it like once a month because it was just like everything I needed when it happened and yeah. I still go back to it because it was just like it makes me melt every time I watch it I love it Especially as a, especially as a, a live stream event, I think it was so interesting to be on Twitter and seeing everyone being like, is it happening? Are we okay? Like, what's going on? I was and drunk yeah. by the time it started. <laughs> we're just all in it together. Like, this is our audience. This is what we're here for. It was, it was, a, it was so much fun I to see that. that happen. Oh my goodness. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. I feel like. I feel like we've come to the end of our time. I don't want to take any more of your time, Teal. No, you're good. Did you have any more questions? I personally can't think of any. We've covered so much from costumes, animal print, uh, (laughs) the fact that the ambassador is a triangle. Didn't know that. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And to... Oh, here's one more thing if you want to, like, cut this and stick it on the tail end of what I said about the ambassador theater. Um, Cause what, how do you pose that question? Um, I think I said, what did I say? I said, not favorite show, favorite theater. And like, is there a certain, cause backstage like, is different. The backstage areas in every single theater are so radically different because there's not like a cookie cutter theater blueprints that any of these places use because like one of the oldest theaters you know is built in like 1905 and then you get the Gershwin the Marriott Marquis the Minskoff who were all built later so honestly it's kind of prime time to work in one of the newer theaters because the backstage areas are nicer and larger space is just very very coveted and what a lot of people don't realize is way way back in the day when some of the smaller older theaters were being built they were designed specifically to be playhouses like the Belasco David Belasco didn't want musicals in there he was one of the um the fathers of American theater he created a lot of very realistic effects on stage on his stage was the first ever sunset that happened he also was not that great of a guy Mm -mm. 
we can get into that later. But um, we talked about it in an episode that we did. We were talking about Broadway ghosts and I was like, let's talk about David Belasco. But but so the Belasco is just really, really small or like the Long Acre Theater that was not built to hold musicals. So when I did day work there at the prom, like I was there by myself, like going through all the female ensemble costumes and it was so cramped. So that's another thing you would never think of while you're watching the musical is like, where are the dressing rooms, you know? Like, how are people back there piled on top of each other? Which is another thing that people don't think about is it's not just like, oh, a show is coming to Broadway. Like, you have to consider, like, when did the producers want this show to come in? Are they gonna get the theater that they want? They're, obviously they want one that um, has a lot of foot traffic just, and is on the west side of Broadway, but also are they gonna fit? Like, Wicked is a mammoth show. Like, it, there aren't many theaters it would fit into. That's why the Harry Potter people had to buy out Cirque du Soleil so they could get into the lyric because it's not like a historic landmarks. They were able to gut renovate the whole thing and have enough uh, space backstage I could talk I could talk about this all day but yeah so I'll end it there I love theaters why would why would you want something on the west side of I understand there's more theaters on the west side of Broadway but is there something special about that area it's just more foot traffic oh got it and I remember I watched oh keep going no, there just aren't many Broadway theaters on the east side. You have the Lyceum, the Belasco, and like the Stephen Sondheim, um, and like the Hudson Theater, which is one of the newest. Uh, and right at the tippy top, technically on the east side, but it's right next to Wicked, it was the Winter Garden Theater. Like that one doesn't count. That's where Music Man is going into. That's where Beetlejuice just was. But yeah, you you just don't get a lot of tourists walking around on that side. So someone specifically has to be like, we are going there tonight. Um, Cause you know, you may just have like tourists walking through Times Square, going to American Eagle and be like, oh, well, what is Dear Evan Hansen? You know, it's just, there's just a lot more foot traffic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I remember watching some documentary. I want to say it was the the in the heights like road to broadway documentary and i remember them talking about you know they specifically wanted the richard rogers for that show and i that's not something i you bringing up like wanting space and wanting foot traffic i think is something that i definitely never thought of um and why a person would want a specific theater you definitely have to think about what do your sets look like? What do your costumes look like? Definitely have to go into that when you, I guess, choose what theater. And then you've got to make a timeline of what shows are coming in, what shows are likely to come out. I think that's, that's a whole side. It's fascinating, right? Yeah. absolutely fascinating. And then something that people really, really don't think about. So the Broadway theater is a really, it's one of the really old ones. Uh, And the way they built it, (laughs) it's really deep. So if you are in the cheap seats, what right at the top, you feel very far away from the stage, which is unfortunate. So that's a hard house to sell. It just is. Mm-hmm. And with the Gershwin, um, back in the day, I mean, it was built in like 74, but they'd like named it a barn. So like, that's another really house, big house that's hard to fill and it's hard to play to. So what the set designer did is they broke the fourth wall with the set and kind of have it like creeping out into the audience and there are vines and they're like weird viney chandeliers. And there are like these big like barn beams like that go through like right the middle of the theater so that 
even if you're in the back row, you, you still feel connected because the set is larger in life. You don't feel as far away as you might. And another smart thing that they did with the Gershwin, instead of making it super deep, they made it wide. So there are only 200 seats in the balcony. Oh my gosh. I didn't even know that. (laughs) It's a smaller balcony. And also because it's smaller, even though you aren't that bougie, you feel bougier because you aren't sitting in the balcony. You're like, Ooh, 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 you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The, how many, the seat, the, the Gershwin has what, 2000 seats around 2000, two or three seats under 2000, but we are the biggest, um, house on Broadway and we're the fourth newest. That's so interesting. Cause I feel like a lot of like touring houses are much bigger. They are, but my home theater is like 2,700 seats. Mm, And then mine is, yeah. And then where I worked, it was about 3000. Yeah. So the idea no, touring houses are always bigger because you get a show coming through for a week or two, maybe a month. So you're packing in everybody in town and the entire mm-hmm. city, but on Broadway, I mean, not only are these houses, most of them really old, but like you're trying to sell out a house every single night, like eight shows a week, seven, six days a week. It's just, um, yeah. So you don't want it to be 5,000 radio city is 5,000 though. Um, that's a gigantic space yeah yeah it's really cool I've been in Radio City once and I was like I walked in and I was like this is like crazy big like it like felt huge right even on tv it looks giant yeah like every time I watch the Tonys I'm just like why is like how are like how are there when they do the zoom out yeah I'm like how are there this many people like it's like crazy I know I'm really morbid and like everyone's always so paranoid about you know terrorist attacks and whatever and um I'm just like you guys if someone is going to do something like that they're gonna go to Radio City yeah hello like they're not gonna go to a theater with like a thousand people in it yeah it's yeah it's absolutely my brain goes to dark places though yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh I mean, it's something that I think about too. Sometimes I'll just be sitting in the theater. I'm like, something bad could happen, but I'm just honestly, what a way to go. Toes crossed. What a way, right? To like, go. if I were, if that were yeah. to happen to me, if I was in a theater, I'd be fine. I wouldn't <laughs> be mad. I would not be bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! It reminds me. It's always so funny because, like, I think about, like, I was um, talking to my sister recently. This is kind of off topic, but I was talking to my sister recently about how, like. I have anxiety before I see a show, like really bad anxiety before I see a show, but I don't get like that before like every, like if I go into like Wicked, I don't get that way because I'm like, I've seen it. I know what happened. <laughs> I have no anxiety about this whatsoever. And it's yeah. like, I'm a little bit more detached from the show, I guess. But then like, she laughed at me because the day that I saw Moulin Rouge on Broadway, I didn't eat anything all day because I was so nauseous. And she's like, why do you get like this? And I was like, I don't know. And then I realized it's because I follow so many people from like certain shows that like I get anxious about. I follow all those people on social media and I'm like watching their Insta stories five seconds before curtain. And I'm just like, how are they doing? Like I literally get so anxious. to anyone listening who doesn't know she just referenced basically when they cast moulin rouge they took the hottest ensemble members from every single broadway show like, and yep. then put them in the same place it's literally the hottest people a lot of a lot of no everyone is extremely sexy i have a bunch oh of God. friends in that show yeah it comes I with the show it. you have to 
you have, have to be hot to. <laughs> you're half naked you have to be hot my my best friend that I went with she was like this is like bisexual dreams like she was like this is like everything and I'm like it literally is it's perfect <laughs> like the yeah. cast is perfect <laughs> and yet some of them still don't have good instagrams <laughs> And scene. <laughs> <laughs> like I could talk about the Moonlighters cast Instagram for like hours. That's what we call a callback. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Okay. <laughs> well, you guys, this was so fun. Um, thank you thank so you much for having me. I I could talk about Broadway and social media all day long. So I, I appreciate you playing into my obsession. <laughs> oh, you played right into ours. Is there yeah. anything? You <laughs> Is there anything you'd like to plug? Anything you'd like to promote? Well, yeah. If you guys want to follow me on social media, on Instagram and TikTok, I'm the Backstage Blonde. And my website is thebackstageblonde.co. That's where all my merch is. I also have a collection out in collaboration with Today Ticks that's on their website. Super cute. And yeah, add me. Let's be friends. All right. And then uh, if you'd like to follow us, we're on TikTok and Instagram at Thought Shared Podcast. Uh, I'm on TikTok at Katie Fornia and uh, Instagram at Complete Katie. And I'm at It's Jill Hayes on all platforms. All right. Talk to you guys next week. Goodbye. Bye.